Hello there, dear listener, and welcome to Not Pointers. We are your hosts, Mark, Stephen, and Gerald. And today we'll be talking about bringing the web to desktop, the future of desktop applications, slash, well, we'll see how we'll end up choosing the title for this one. But yeah, stay tuned. But before we'll be talking about our web desktop hybrid blazer show, I have been recently watching a few YouTube videos that compare the MacBook M1 with the Intel i9, with Ryzen, and all these things. And, and it's by a developer. I, I forgot his name, but I'll put the link into the show notes where you can then have a look for yourself after the show. And so he he does all these comparisons. So he installs Android Studio, and then he lets he let, he makes them compile, and then he comparisons the the build times. And apparently, the M1 on a MacBook Air, which is not even actively cooled, seems to beat all these high powered i9s and Ryzen machines, which I thought is is quite astonishing if you think about how little they cost compared to the other machines. And I know that Gerald, you have you have a MacBook M1, and I just is it, is it really that cool? Because I heard that the M1X or the M2 is around the corner. So I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm buying. I'm... Okay, sure, sure. Always, there's always a new Apple thing coming in, right? I think you have, we, we should link that as well. What is it? The Mac, no, Mac Buyer's Guide? Buyer's Guide? I don't know. They have <laughs> one of those, those websites where you can see each Apple product and with the recommendation, like you should buy it or you should not buy it, depending on how much time has passed. Um, so that you know if if something new is bound to come out, yes or no. Um, but you know, it's it's been a while. I think the M1 was presented in October ish last year. Yeah. Um, so you know, and with most products, there is a yearly cycle, so it would make sense to have a new um, M1 follow up coming in. Uh, but yeah, I have to be honest that I'm not using it for the most high maintenance high um, requirements things just yet so no no hardcore development work or any of that stuff which is maybe a waste i don't know uh but it it still is pretty snappy i still have to find out because i have the m1 pro so the macbook pro with the m1 um i have still to find out if there is actually a fan in there i don't know i haven't heard it um the battery life is really really good so you know if you're thinking about buying now you should probably hold off and get the current m1 at a lower price hopefully um or just get the newer m1 with you know the latest goodies and and it's probably going to be even better i think the the rumors have it that it will have more more slots on there so more usb ports more other things uh, maybe the hdmi is coming back i think that was kind of the thing that we were talking about as well it will be all the best macbook pro m1 that they've ever um created of course but yeah it's it's still pretty good it's going to be legendary. It's going to be the best MacBook ever made. Something along those lines it will be. But yeah, I mean, I I think it was... Uh, I'm looking forward to the end of the year. I mean, a lot of software has now been ported over and is running natively. And before it has been running on the Rosetta 2 transcompile thingy, which actually is also quite fast uh, when you look at the uh, benchmarks that they do. 
But uh, yeah, since he's now an 80, it's even quicker. And I think the only thing that's currently still holding me back from my entire development setup, as far as I've looked back recently, is MS SQL Server, which is not yet available as an ARM binary. But uh, I have it on good authority from our good friend Daniel Hendrikus. I'm sure I'm butchered that name again. Um, <laughs> Stephen's giving me the thumbs up that I butchered it. Really good. Uh, no, so you did you did well. I did well. Okay, thank you. Yeah, that there is an alternative like a, an IoT um, VM that you can install with Docker that comes with a SQL Server-ish thing. Um, so yeah, there there seems to be options out there already, and I really hope that the next generation has got more than sixteen gigabytes of RAM because buying a notebook today, wanting to have it last a couple of years, I just think sixteen gigs might be a little on the short end. Talking about being on the short end. Oh, no Gerald jokes. Come on. <laughs> okay. uh, almost. I almost got away with it. <laughs> almost got away with it. Now, I'm today, not mocking Gerald. Today, mocking desktop apps or, uh, well, maybe not mocking them. I mean, I, I like desktop apps. Uh, I'm not trying to. Uh, how do I dig myself in this hole? I'll just, I'll just stop welcome. there. But you're welcome. Thank you, Stephen. So I've recently seen a trend that a lot of desktop applications are no longer being developed as desktop applications, but are developed in the web space. So you you just develop a website. They can be super interactive. You can have a JavaScript front end, or you can even uh, these days use something like Blazor, or you might even use something like Wii uh, for, for Xamarin Forms to program your websites. Have you also seen these trends going on? Well, I've I've seen... The hybrid apps around i mean the, the ones that come immediately to mind are for me at least slack and visual studio code is also in electron as far as i know um but those those definitely i, I must admit they don't quite feel like web apps to me at least um I'm, I'm actually i like those but there are also apps that well they they are a bit less uh less well crafted i would say um but yeah, I've, I've seen them around and I, like I said, I find it kind of hard to even tell the difference, to be honest, because something like, for example, Discord, I have that as well. I think that's a web app, but I'm not entirely sure. Maybe I'm just grasping at straws here, but it could be. I don't know. I can't tell. That's that's a bit my point. Well, the, the easiest way to check if something is a hybrid app or if it's native, it's usually opening up the activity monitor or the system windows and just check memory usage. If it's above 400 megabyte, it's... I'm running on a Chrome. <laughs> it might be running on a Chrome you mentioned, aka being a, a hybrid web application. Yeah, but I think that, that's a that's a very good point you bring up there, Stephen. I mean, with, with these hybrid apps, uh, you can now even take your web applications. So if you engineer them in the proper way, or you've got to take the choose to write architecture, you can transform them air quotes, quite easily <laughs> into a desktop application. I think it's usually usually the the thing behind it is the progressive web apps, which allows you also to, to write web applications that run offline, even in your browser. And once you have made that step, you can reuse that web page and also make a, a app behind it. And then you can make your hybrid apps running usually in Electron if you have them on the desktop. And Electron comes with a Chromium engine. So that's the same thing as Chrome uses uh, under the hood to run the website. And also some NPM action because usually your websites, they rely very heavily on JavaScript. And what's again the name, Gerald, from the mobile one? Let's just lose my name. 
mine? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Um, is it? Um, oh, is it the one by? Is that? Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Phone gap. That was a thing. Phone gap the was a thing. Yes, that was Adobe. Ah, is um, it Cordova? Isn't that the one? Oh yeah, I think it's that one. Usually, I mean, if you write a web site and you have it mobile responsive, you can just pack it up and ship it with Cordova. I've got no idea. I've I've supported people compiling their Cordova apps because I knew how the Xcode build chain works. And at the end, you run through the same hassles as with every other mobile app to get it published into your store of choice. But uh, yeah, in the end, I mean, I think what's always a bit on the downside of these apps is the performance hits that they are taking. So some of them, they are really well engineered. I think Visual Studio Code comes to mind. Um, I rarely feel any lags. Sometimes when the project gets a bit bigger, you can feel that there must be some thing going on in the background that just takes a bit more time because there are a bit few more files going on in the background. But otherwise, um, yeah, I, I, I am with Stephen on this, that the performance uh, is, seems to be less of an issue these days. Well, on desktop, I think uh, on mobile, it's still, you know, you can still kind of look and see the look and feel, which is maybe the CSS is not loading fast enough and that kind of stuff, you know, and maybe if you try to tap something, it, it selects the text while it shouldn't have. And I don't know, you can still tell them apart most of the time. Um, and then there's the other th- uh, the other one. I think that's kind of more like React Native, but that kind of I, I don't really have experience with that to be honest. But I think that is still writing in kind of like a JavaScripty language, but it's still because it has native in the name, so it still compiles down to um, the native bits, um, very much like Xamarin or Xamarin Forms. Yeah, that's my understanding of React Native. I haven't dove too deep into the architecture setup, but I would put it more on a. Uh, pedestal with Xamarin Forms, that it's uh, you got cross-platform uh, UI components that you can use, but it will then actually compile to a native application. So usually, even though React uh, also can be used for writing web applications, you usually end up writing two kind of applications. One's the React Native, one's the React website. And they I don't know how well they mingle actually together these days, but I, I remember a few years back that was... Uh, very hard to achieve to have them running side by side or usually not done uh, in the wide atmosphere. And I have also heard that it is, since quite some time, it's actually possible to put your progressive web apps or PWAs into the Windows Store. So I think there are even some apps in there uh, that choose this model. So you no longer have to write a native client application, but you can just publish your uh, progressive web app in some containerish form and then have it installed on your Windows machine, which I think is quite cool, especially if you think about how many of these chat clients these days also have a web browser version. And so now you can just install it, you can pin it onto your home screen, and it's a lot easier to find than always have to remember that URL. All right, but this is a lot about like the the kind of hybrid things based on JavaScript. But I thought, Mark, I thought we were going to talk about Blazor. What is Blazor? What does Blazor have to do with this? Yeah, right, Blazor. So it has, word has been said <laughs> that Blazor desktop will be coming out with .NET 6. And what this actually allows is, so I don't know how it is with you guys. I still struggle writing any good JavaScript, um, maybe because I don't do it. Doesn't really. everyone? Doesn't everyone? There is a book about the good bit, so I guess if you... Oh, if you, it's just very, very small, right? It's yeah, but, I, I, but if you know all the good bits, I mean, I think you're bound to write good JavaScript code. It just probably won't be me. And Blazor allows me to write 
web apps using C Sharp, C Sharp only. There is also two versions how I can do this. So I can have the server mode or I can have the uh, client mode. So that's a uh, WebAssembly mode. And with WebAssembly, you are quite close to having a progressive web app. So once you engineer your Blazor app correspondingly, you could now actually write a Blazor app that you could ship with Electron. Thing being though, since we are using WebAssembly C Sharp only, the amount of JavaScript that we're using is quite tiny. And there is a other initiative right now going on on Windows desktop, which is the WebView 2. I mean, Gerald, you're a big fan of the new Edge browser. Mm-hmm, definitely. So I guess you're are really happy to know that the new Edge browser will now become the new default WebView when writing Windows applications. So that's the WebView 2 for you there. So but that's then basically Chrome <laughs> running inside of your Windows app? So, well, not not Chrome. It's it's Edge, right? Because yeah, oh, yeah. they just forked it. It's <laughs> the, right, right. It's the Chromium engine, so they forked it and they named it Edge, but it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, but different. But different, without all the Google tracking things in there. Yeah, yeah, they put different tracking. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Microsoft well, tracking. Yeah, well, conspiracy. Insert your favorite conspiracy mm-hmm. right here. With that, and so, but the WebView 2 brings significant performance improvements when you use it in your uh, desktop apps uh, because the old Edge engine, um, they will no longer maintain it. So it will come out of favor. There was a different JavaScript engine running in there. And there were just all kinds of different implementation mini issues that you sometimes run into as a web developer because every browser has got some minor details that are a bit different. If you're a mobile developer, I'm sure you can relate to because Android and iOS, they also have sometimes some not so small differences how they implement the same thing. And so this is this is now possible. And so with that, you also get improved performance because there's the Chrome you mentioned beneath it. And it's also actually a smaller package because uh, you don't really have to now deliver NPM for your Blazor application. And we can even do this in the future using a Maui application. Now, in our last show or previous last show, we talked about Visual Studio 2022, uh, which just came out with a new template using the Blazor desktop view or the Blazor view embedded into Maui. So the Blazor web view. The Blazor web view, thank you. Mm-hmm. Ah. And I mean, I, I really like that approach. So this means I can now take my Blazor web application, put it into my Maui application, uh, have stuff run on the native end. So if I ever have to interact with the desktop system, I can now easily interact with that. It's all uh, written in C Sharp or whatever .NET language you, you would be choosing. And you got your hybrid app running there in your hybrid container, and it's all .NET. I think that's super cool. I'm, I'm kind of still wondering what the scenario is to actually be doing that. I guess if you're then more familiar with coming from a web background and you're more familiar with modeling your UIs with HTML and CSS and that kind of stuff, but still love to write C-sharp or something. So I guess that's kind of the angle that they're going for here. But yeah, a lot of people seem to be enthusiastic about Blazor. So, you know, we're also trying to combine that with .NET MAUI. And um, there is some confusion. So for the the listeners who are listening to us, I'll just repeat it one more time because you kind of have two things. And this this kind of comes down to naming is hard (laughs) because we have the mobile Blazor bindings 
Blazor Mobile Bindings. Well, one variation of that. Only this name is hard already. And that is that brings kind of like the Blazor programming model to the .NET ecosystem. Uh, sorry, the .NET MAUI ecosystem, but doesn't really render Blazor, if that makes sense. So you can still use Razor web pages, and you can kind of mix your code with your UI. Uh, but you're still you're not writing HTML. You're writing XAML. So you still have a stack layout. You still have a label and an entry and that kind of stuff that you're used to from the Xamarin Forms and the .NET MAUI XAML. Um, and then we have kind of like the approach with the Blazor web view, where you basically take your Blazor application, put it in your .NET MAUI app, and you can still write HTML and CSS and all those kinds of things. Um, and suddenly you have this kind of hybrid app going on. And with the Blazor mobile bindings, it's still going to be translated to the native components. So it's basically just another different dialect of the XAML, if you will, um, where you can mix the code and the XAML all together, but it will still render it down to like the native controls as they should look like on that platform. So it's two different things, both named sort of Blazor, but two very different approaches, basically. So maybe they just should have called it Blazor Native and Blazor, you know, like React and React Native. Because I mean, you, you could take a, a website that is developed with uh, Reactive or Angular or Vue, or I forgot the other famous one, and then just have it put into an Electron app and you're a hybrid. And you can now do the same thing with taking your Blazor web application and then using the Blazor web view, put it into there, and you could also pack in all your Blazor codes next to the app and then it will be loaded locally. I think you can all do all these tricks can be done. And then you got a hybrid app using some native bits, uh, but maybe also mainly the Blazor view to be shown to the user. And then you can write in the Blazor mobile bindings uh, story, you can then write your native app just uh, in a different style. Is that is that will, will that be actually supported or is that still in is that still a side project at this stage? The Blazor mobile binding stuff. Yes, that's still experimental. I think. Okay. Um, I think you have to install that, and you can get some some tooling or some plugin for maybe Visual Studio Code. Um, I don't really exactly know how all of that works at this moment. I think that is kind of still in the experimental stage, and and see if we actually want to move forward with that. Um, but the the Blazor web view is something that's definitely going to be in .NET Maui. Yeah, and I, I I mean, you said you don't know really use cases for it. I I know a ton of people that are really looking forward to have a model like this because. Sometimes you have a web view which covers all the visualization that you have, but wouldn't it be nice to have that web view somewhere installed on a desktop because the IT setup does not provide the latest and greatest, uh, I don't know, web browsing engine. So you you then can pack it up into a hybrid app model, ship it onto or install it then on that computer, and you're no longer bound to the uh, system-wide version of a browser. So you will always know that you're... The thing will always be running nicely in there. I mean, that that's one model I've seen. And the other thing that I've often heard about people like, but can't we just do this? Is like, can't we just take our web application, make a little app out of it, and then have notifications going on or have a, uh, I don't know, some nice system interactive dialogue going on in the background. And on Cordova, you can do those things when using... Um, web application. So I guess you could also use a Blazor application and wrap it in Cordova. But using MAUI allows us to interact very easily with the web application and the native code. And I think that's something that's really cool to do. 
because mm, you know what I hear, Mark. I hear a manager saying, "Can't we just take this application we already have and put it in a mobile app because it will be very cheap?" And then the developer is going to be like, "Oh, but this is hell!" But we have to hack it because our manager wants it to. And then it ends up being a monster of a thing, a monster of a project that no one wants to use because the user experience the is Franken bad. App. Yes, and and the developers hate working on it because you know it's it's a whole bunch of nothing. It's not this technology. It's not that technology. And and only the manager. Well, the manager is not happy too because it's they're taking way more time than they thought. So it's not even cheap anymore. So basically, <laughs> everyone is unhappy at this stage, and we should just we should just not do this. I must admit, every time you guys say WebView, I get the shivers, and I know that that's <laughs> exactly. that's based on on old feelings from years ago, but. Like every web view that I've worked with is limited in, in even the simplest thing ever. So now building entire apps around it still feels kind of icky to me. But I'm just being old again, as usual on this podcast. <laughs> We're old. This, I, I, will, yeah. I, I will admit, being the oldest one here, it will come with its challenges. But hear me out. <laughs> uh, I think, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure you can write some really ugly Franken apps using this approach, uh, having their views that are optimized for desktop use and then just forcing them up onto mobile or having some really strange styling going on or some fuzzed, fussed out uh, typography because something just didn't really align nicely with the fonts or some stuttering and all stuff like that. And I, I get that. And I think that should not be the goal of this. But I know of a few websites that are already uh, made very um, mobile-like. So they're, they're really optimized to feel a bit like an app if you open them up and all the stuff like that. But going like the final mile, getting integration into native stuff is quite the challenge because if Cordova doesn't provide you a plugin out of the box to do that, it's quite hard. And now being able to write my WebView stuff using C Sharp and then also having the possibility to quite easily interact with the native part using the Blazor WebView. I think that's a that's a real boost that you can do there. I mean, there are just some parts of an application where you might always need to be connected to the server to even show the information, or it might be some charts, or it might be some, I don't know, error dialogues uh, scrolling by, something like that, where you anyway will be having to be connected to the server. And if you got a nice uh, visual representation that scales well to different form factors. I can definitely see that going to mobile. And using Maui as the host container, that does in the future not only, it doesn't limit me to mobile form factors, so it could also have that running on a desktop if I wanted to, and integrated into the notification things that come with the operating system. So, okay, I'm I'm a web developer. I sit in my office. We're all doing C-sharp.net things, mm-hmm. um, ASP.net. I have mm-hmm. my nice uh, Blazor thing going on, and now suddenly, again, that same manager, he's, he's a prick. He comes <laughs> over and he says, you know, I've heard this stuff. You can put it in an app, and we can suddenly use notifications. Okay, cool. I'm going to try that. Poop, poop, poop. Blazor in there. That's not going to be too hard. And now the notifications. And now suddenly... You have to know all this stuff about mobile anyway, right? So yeah. you're going to open up this can of of worms with all kinds of stuff that you suddenly have to know, even with and even beyond the notifications, like you already have to know about app stores and how to package the thing and how to oh my gosh, let alone the whole certificate hell of of Apple that you have to go through. Um, so you know there still is a lot of mobile specific knowledge that that comes with that that you still have to do um 
so you know and i mean that still has to happen whatever you are um, also doing all the ui stuff and not using blazor right so maybe that's the thing that you don't have to worry about all the ui stuff and and rebuilding at least the ui assuming that you have all the business logic set up properly that you can reuse it so that you don't have to to do all that kind of stuff but i don't know um it's still you still kind of lose the advantage i would say if of using a web application that you would update kind of um, on the server and then a new version rolls out because it's running locally with all the Blazor stuff. You So you still have to update the app. I'm, I'm actually not sure. I would kind of assume that this only works with Blazor WebAssembly with the client stuff. Um, maybe it does work with Blazor server. I don't actually know. I should look into that. Um, I'm kind of wondering how stuff would go running in the background, although that's probably not really important because it's mostly updating the UI. I'm just thinking out loud here. But anyway, so yeah, there's there's still that. And I'm, I'm very curious. I mean, that is also a, a consideration to have whenever you're going to look into this is as with all the kind of hybrid approaches i think mainly apple is going to review your app even harder than they normally do um, mainly because you have easier ways to kind of update the ui from you know um, from afar um, and Apple would love to see your app in, in full whenever they uh, approve it and it's in the store and that it should stay that way and not suddenly all kinds of things are going to change in that app. Um, and with hybrid apps, you know, loading HTML and that kind of stuff uh, from a remote server, that is, that is definitely still possible if that's what you want. It's it's also interesting how this is going to be handled by Apple and, and the app stores, I guess. But uh, there's still a lot of considerations. And I, I don't know. I should, I mean, from a technical perspective, I'm definitely very much excited for this because it's really, really cool. And I definitely see what you're saying, Mark, like, hey, we can take this Blazor app, put it in here and still use all the native sensors and, and that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I don't see myself doing it anytime soon. Uh, but maybe that's also because I have all the experience to actually build the mobile app, right? So for me, it's probably faster to do the XAML and all that kind of stuff instead of trying to figure out how to center a diff. Centering a diff, it's easy. Flexbox. <laughs> Some, the yeah. console we should also use more, I've been told recently. It, when, that, when that's, developing. that's a flex layout. That's, yeah. that's, you're in a different flex. universe now. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. A mobile one. Well, it was, I mean, Flex, it was so close, and, and then I yeah. just stopped listening. It's, it's so. similar. similar. Yeah. Practically same the concept, same. different language. That's why they these two things all just mix so greatly together, because it's all the same. Stephen said it. No, I, I agree with you there, Gerald. I think it's. I think you always have to take a pinch of salt. And I mean, if you got the choice to, to write a mobile app and you can use all native components, I think you will it will be easier to do because you have got less concepts that you have to be aware of i mean even if if you say hey i'm a mobile developer i'll now write all my ui in blazor and then i'll just pull it in in a hybrid view it probably will not be as efficient as when you would just make that same view natively and have it render natively in your app and there are also some other considerations that you can't just simply publish your new version of the website on the server and then have your client magically syncing up, at least not right now. Maybe one day in the future that will be possible. But as you said, Gerald, Apple is actually not a big fan of that approach. They, uh, I think they even, yeah, explicitly say we don't want that happening in our apps. So yeah, there, there, are, some, there are some differences there that you have to be aware of. But uh, I know, I just know of a few scenarios where there's just like, you already got the web view. And it just would be so nice to have this embedded in some native 
context. And I think this will really open up these possibilities to .NET developers to, to do exactly that and to also have this interactive experience without having to dive into any different languages like uh, you have to do with, with Electron or with Cordova where you then suddenly end up writing some Swift or some Kotlin or some Java, uh, depending just where you end up on which platform. And then having to repeat that task over and over again, because with Maui, you already got a cross-platform engine. So you know that you can then probably even reuse that piece of code that you're writing there. And I, I just really like this, this approach coming together there. So what do you think, Stephen? So what do you think, Stephen? Will we be writing all our apps as hybrid apps in the future? That's a good question. Because in the end, there's, there's obviously also this, this whole cost thing involved like why why have a specific or a, a dedicated mobile developer when you can have a web developer that can do both um i think it'll be around I'm, I'm not sure if it'll ever completely replace someone with actual native knowledge or, or something like xamarin slash maui i don't i don't think it'll it'll ever replace it to be honest i think it'll just be another flavor for certain people to get to the same end result, basically. We, we can coexist, I would say. I think that's a good point, right? Like, that's that's also another thing. Um, like, it's just multiple means to get to the same kind of solution, right? And it's it's good that people who have maybe more web experience can now join in, in the fun as well. Maybe that way transition to more mobile native kind of experience i don't know or they just stay with the blazer things that's good the only kind of thing is like you know if the blazer web view turns out to be the more popular one then you know also from within microsoft then the chances are that there's going to be more focus on developing that way right so then maybe the whole dotnet maui native thing is going away and it will all be hybrid technology and we will suddenly be building the the next cordova which is something that i wouldn't prefer but um i don't know you know if if the majority of the people is excited about that then maybe i'm overlooking something and i should just keep my mouth shut and um, <laughs> join the rest Try the rest. And on that positive outlook of Gerald becoming a web developer, this wraps up our show on writing web slash hybrid slash Blazor slash Maui applications. I will start Googling how to center a diff with a Flexbox layout. It must be just some CSS thing. I think that's Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Easy. We have been your hosts, Mark Alibone, Stephen Davis, and Gerald Flood. And let us know, what are your thoughts on this entire topic of writing web slash hybrid slash Maui applications. We really need to come up with a moniker for this thing in the future. At Nullpoints.io on Twitter, our DMs are open and Stephen is always on the helm, ready to reply. Quick as lightning. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Stay safe and until next week on Nullpoints.io.